It's time for episode 139 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, June the 1st, 2016. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where you can clock out, but you can never leave. I'm your co-host, Dan Morn, and I'm joined across this country of ours by my co-host, Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. I'm practically in the Hotel California, Dan. Hello. <laughs> uh, you're in California, that's for sure. I don't know if you're in a hotel. But... I'm not. I'm in the residence, California, well, but that's... it's the same, pretty much. Yeah. That's, that's very So you also can't leave. I, I basically I'm never... I'm so sorry. <laughs> I might be able to, but I never do. This is Clockwise, the podcast where we talk about four technology topics with two excellent guests to my left, returning from the NozillaCast and to chat across the pond podcast, Allison Sheridan. Hi, Allison. Hi. I'm so glad to be here. This is going to be fun. I like the topics today. As opposed to other days when not so much. <laughs> yeah, most of the time the show kind of stinks. Yeah, know. let's not let's not talk about that. <laughs> oh no, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't miss the show. This podcast is over. And to my left, uh, from many uh, many different places that you can find him, including iMore and other Mobile Nation stuff, and the Isometric Podcast, uh, the the uh, Disruption Podcast. It's Micah Sargent. Hello. Am I on all those podcasts? All my the great shows. All Micah. the great shows. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me. I am excited to be here and be back with Allison Cool Cat Sheridan. This is great. <laughs> That's right. You were you were both here together nine episodes ago, and now you're back accidentally, but it's awesome. Accidental. <laughs> what? Oh. Oh. Sorry, wrong show. Off-brand, off-brand. <laughs> <clears throat> Let's get back on track here with the first of four topics, which will come for me since I'm today's designated co-host. I just did surgery on my Mac Mini. Uh, I added a new SSD drive in addition to the hard drive and uh, maxed out the RAM. So my question for you guys are, are you hardware upgraders or are you more of a replace the whole machine when it needs to go kind of person? Allison? Well, I used to be the kind of person that, that, well, I still am the kind of person who will throw software on anything at any time. I was, somebody will say, this is cool. I'll say, okay, and I'll try it. I put three apps on my BlackBerry once on a, a freeway off ramp while I was waiting for the light. But uh, <laughs> hardware was always really really hard for me it was really it was it, I, I had trouble with the whole idea until i decided to build a pc once um i gave it away but uh i built a pc and i got over that so now i just i like fixing other people's computers when they're completely broken tearing them apart and doing stuff to them to see if i can fix them because there's not so much risk but yeah i've been known to put the ssd inside and uh you know take out an optical drive to make a uh two drives in a machine it's pretty fun i like it well dan i you know as you know i, I have mostly apple hardware which means that uh, there's very little I can do in terms of uh, being a hardware upgrader because Apple makes that hard. But I did, you know, I know that I, I was uh, sort of the inspiration, which also means I'm glad it went well because I could have been the blame for yeah, you I to do this because totally I, had, you. I had the same situation with my Mac Mini. And and I mean, I, I think that answers the question is rather than get a new Mac Mini, I disassembled my Mac Mini. I knew that I could replace that that slow hard drive with a with a uh, an SSD or Actually, what I did was what you did, which was add an SSD in the second uh, drive slot and make a fusion drive, and it completely transformed the usability of that of that system. And I uh, and it and it cost a fraction of what a new Mac Mini would cost. So you know, I think that it's not for everybody, and there are increasingly uh, sort of like fewer and fewer Apple products where this is a viable option. But it's great to have it because there was no reason, it would, and it would have been wasteful. There's no reason for me not to 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 do what I did and 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 for you to do what you did. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, I am also uh, an upgrader when I can be. Uh, you know, these days, again, like, like Jason, uh, because I'm mostly running, repping all the Apple stuff, it's kind of difficult to, to make any adjustments. But I can remember, uh, buying some new RAM for my MacBook Pro back whenever that was a thing that was allowed, um, and upgrading that. But back, uh, back in the day when I was a PC, user, I can remember like for birthdays, for Christmas, uh, with my allowance, anytime I could, I would buy new gear that I could install. Uh, so, you know, new hard drives that were bigger, faster, stronger, wiser, and new RAM and new video cards. I, I love uh, getting in and, and taking things apart and installing when I can. How many megabytes of wisdom did that hard drive have? <laughs> More than you'll ever know. <laughs> wow. Wow, we've got we've got a quite experienced crew here today. I agree with all of you. Obviously, I mean, I've done this on my Mac Mini, but I also did surgery on a uh, MacBook Air yesterday. Although that was to fix a problem in there, but in the past, I've actually swapped out the SSD in the MacBook Air, which is actually not that hard. It's a little scary at first, but you get used to it. But it, it is frustrating how many things are locked down. Like, yeah, I can replace the SSD in a MacBook Air. I can't do anything about RAM because it's soldered to the motherboard. So unless I really want to get into like the serious upgrading and I'm <laughs> not sure I want to do that. Um, so I do miss the days of at least being able to like slide in new drives and all that. But when you take apart the Mac mini, you realize the, the trade-offs there. That device is engineered to such small tolerances. It's easy to see oh, why yeah. they don't spend so much time making it upgradable. Because even though there is a second drive made to put something in, you have to remove everything else in that case to get at it. And some of those things, as Jason can attest, are very small and hard to deal with. <laughs> so i um, glad to hear that the upgrading spirit is still alive and well. Let's go to our second topic from Allison. Well, Amazon Prime, or Amazon said this week that Prime Video will be available to Apple TV when Apple offers acceptable terms. And I started thinking about this and realized I live in such a an insular world of all my friends have Apple TVs that we all just use what we get on our Apple TV. So I'm wondering whether normal people, if and I'm wondering whether you guys know any of them, <laughs> <laughs> whether they care about Amazon Prime. I mean, how are they getting Amazon Prime today? if they don't have Apple TVs? Does this really, is this as big of a deal as it sounds to not have it? Well, my uh, TV comes with Amazon Prime Video. So I, I know there are ways for people to get this stuff. Uh, my TV's remote control, in fact, has an Amazon Prime Video or Amazon Video button and Prime is sort of rolled into that along with their store. So I think, um, you know, there are a lot of people who have Prime and uh, they, it, it's, it's a good question about whether a good percentage of the people who have Prime identify the video service as part of the value that they get out of it versus the the you know the free two day shipping uh, right. ver- compared to something like Netflix. I think it's a real question, but Jeff Bezos seems to think that it all kind of accrues to the value of the service, and he actually said the one of the most bizarre things I've ever heard a tech industry CEO say. And let me tell you, there's a big list of that. <laughs> he said, "When we win a Golden Globe, we sell more shoes." <laughs> wow. So, I, you know, he's playing a long game and he's got a lot of charts that don't have indices on them. So you don't know wh- what's happening. Uh, but I, so I don't know. I mean, it's a good service. It isn't uh, maybe uh, as good as Netflix, but it's a it's a good service. I have watched some of the originals on there. There are sometimes shows that I find that are only on there that aren't on Netflix. And so it has value. Um, I just don't use my Apple TV for that. My TiVo plays Amazon Video. My TV plays Amazon Video. There are plenty of other places for Amazon to go. Um, 
I do think it's kind of dumb that Amazon is making this uh, making this stand here because they have an app for iOS. The terms aren't any different uh, so far as anybody has ever reported. And it seems to me like this is, uh, the, you know, Amazon is apparently withholding the app because they want to make trouble and they want to see if Apple will cave or they want to sell more Fire TVs to their user base. But I, I think they'd be better off. And, and as somebody who has an Apple TV and is a Prime subscription, I think I'd be better off if they would just uh, just cut cut it out <laughs> and uh, and put their put their product everywhere because that's what they uh, that's generally what they've done. Yeah, I don't see how you know offering this only on its own platform. It's not going to make me sweat like go out and buy one of these, whether it's the the stick or the the whole TV because I already have an Apple TV, and so it, it seems to make sense to want to be everywhere, uh, especially with the way that they typically do things. And like I don't know, uh, their content, their video content has not impressed me enough to. To where that's something that's going to sell their device to me. Like if suddenly Netflix said, yo, we are not offering this anymore. The only way you can watch Netflix is if you buy a Netflix box. Hands down, there goes the $70 or whatever it costs to get a Netflix box because I watch that content so much. But I haven't really checked out any of Amazon Prime's content. And there's nothing there that's been, you know, so awesome that, you know, a bunch of people are talking about it. And or at least a bunch of my friends that's made me want to go and check it out. Plus, I've been uh, in, in Star Trek land, uh, Star Trek rewatch land, and that's on Netflix. So I don't have to worry about uh, Prime. <laughs> Star Trek rewatch land sounds like a lot of fun. What's the what's the entrance policy for that? Um, so I'm I'm like you guys in that I use I do use Prime Video. Uh, I think there are some good things on it. And it's definitely a good supplement for the stuff that's not available anywhere else because they're striking these exclusivity deals all the time. I agree with Jason that this is total like bargaining chip mode for Amazon. They're basically like, we're going to figure out basically what we can get out of Apple to do this. So I think that there's a matter of saying like, well, it's nice to have all these services available. And I would certainly love to have them all on one box. But at the moment, I do have a Fire TV as a backup. And if I really need to watch anything on Amazon Prime, I can just switch over to that. So uh, this, it stinks from a, you know, sort of a a consumerist point of view and um, from sort of an egalitarian point of view. I I also agree that I don't think it makes a lot of sense for Amazon since this, I I don't think it's going to convert people to be customers of Fire TVs and what have you. Uh, It's really just seems like shooting themselves in the foot despite their face, as it were. Uh, And Uh so, yeah, that's how it works. Uh Don't do that. It's a bad Mm -hmm. idea. Uh, you shoot your foot and your face is sp- spited, spitting. I don't even know where I'm going with that. Uh, anyways, so I, I think that the sh- yeah, short answer is this seems dumb and it seems like posturing and I don't understand and it's really not going to be terribly effectual for Amazon. All right, Allison, anything more? We Did we satisfy you there? I think you did. It didn't seem like it was uh, critical to any of us. All of the times I've looked at, at Amazon Prime, it's always had exactly what I could get on uh, on either Netflix or I could get it on uh, iTunes. So it sort of seems superfluous for me. Well, we'll see what happens next. I'm sure Jeff Bezos will sell us some shoes somehow. Uh, we're halfway through this one. We've got two more topics left to go on Clockwise. Uh, let me tell you about our halftime sponsor. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Casper. You may have heard of them. Uh, it's a company that's focused on sleep. They created a perfect mattress. It sells directly to consumers and eliminates commission-driven inflated prices. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry. They cut the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and pass the savings directly on to you. Eliminate the middleman. 
then it developed its own award-winning mattress in-house. It's got a sleek design, and it's delivered in an impossibly small box, and you open it up, and it expands to fill the space. But it's not just about the mattress. Casper now also has a, a, a cool, adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets. I have tried both of these, too. And my wife just said to me the other day, because uh, we were visiting uh, we were visiting somewhere and sleeping on somebody else's bed, and uh, she said, uh, I miss our bed. I miss our Casper, <laughs> Casper pillows. I miss our Casper mattress. And I was like, yeah, yeah, the Casper mattress. You don't know what you got till it's gone, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, so Casper's in-house team of engineers spent thousands of hours developing the mattress. It's obsessively engineered with a combination of springy latex and supportive memory foam. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. It's the, now the most awarded mattress of the decade, and its breathable design helps you regulate your temperature through the night. Mattresses can cost often well over $1,500, but Casper mattresses cost $500 for a twin, $600 for a twin extra long, $750 for full, $850 for queen, $950 for king, and all made in the USA. Buying one is risk-free. There are free delivery and free returns with a 100-night home trial, so you can sleep on it, like sleep on it for months, and then decide if you like it, and if you don't, they will take it away. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. You can get $50 toward any Casper mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash clockwise and using code clockwise. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much to Casper for supporting clockwise. All right. Time for topic number three. It's me, the venerable uh, iOS app and and previously also Mac app, Twitterific, uh, which I use every day. Uh, but it announced uh, a new feature today, which is a tip jar, where it literally just says, hey, if you like this app, you can give us money. Asking for donations is definitely an internet trend. Giving things away for free and then asking people to pay if they like them. Uh, by the way, you can support Clockwise on at Relay.fm slash Clockwise. <laughs> you can support Six Colors. I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a part of this, too. I'm just curious to, to our panel, how do you feel about this trend do you pay for things that you love that you actually get for free do you pay for them anyway and if you don't i'd also be interested in knowing why you don't micah yes hands down uh among my friends uh and co-workers at least in the old job that i had i was always the person who was like going around and evangelizing for paying for apps and when someone complained about an app that cost a dollar 99 as being expensive they always kind of had to bear uh, be careful because i was about to start shouting uh and i always had this little uh analogy or not analogy in my head but like the anecdotal uh developer who owns uh, a, a bunch of chickens as pets, and he has to be able to feed those chickens. And the only way to feed those chickens is if you give him money. And so I just need the chickens to get fed. Even if they're offering the app for free, if there's a tip jar, you better believe I'm going to be uh, uh, tipping because, you know, in, in Overcast, which has more recently become a free app that you can uh, tip, and you do now get some features unlocked, but it wasn't always that way. Absolutely. Uh, I tip that one. There's an app that I just just 100% love called Point Out, uh, and it lets you easily point things out on, on screenshots or what have you. And there's a little tip system in there. And I'll routinely, you know, every three months or so, just go in and uh, drop some money uh, that way. I think that tip jars are fantastic. I love the opportunity to say, hey, I appreciate you and your chickens need to eat. 
I have kind of mixed feelings uh, about tip jars. Well, I mean, it is great to be able to contribute. I agree with Micah that developers should, you know, earn uh, good money and be able to sustain their chickens and their livelihoods, <laughs> as as should most people who create things. Um, at the same time, I do kind of think that I prefer when developers thus, you know, sell their app uh, rather than giving it away and, and asking people tip for a few reasons. One. I love apps and I'm happy to, you know, donate to them, but I just forget, you know, honestly, a lot of times it's like, I'm, I'm, you know, be happy to hand over some money, but for whatever reason, you know, I, I don't think about it or what have you. And the comparison, you know, the, uh, you could sort of bother your people, but as soon as you start bothering people, they're like, Hey, give me some money. Then it feels much more like an imposition. So I'd rather pay a fair price up front and be able to support developers that way. Um, that's not always an option. And in, in some cases I do definitely donate money in cases where people have services or content that I really like and that there is an ability for me to easily donate to and, and give money, you know, to those people. Um, I still wish, you know, a lot of times that we did have more of a, a system set up where it was more acceptable to charge for th- some of these things up front. Uh, it does work pretty well in the app store, but it's certainly a lot harder for things like content podcasts, for example. Um, but I do believe that obviously all those people who are putting out products and putting a lot of hard work and time and energy into making those things deserve to be compensated for them if they, if they wish to be. Um, so I guess my feeling where it comes to an app is I'd rather buy an app. Um, if, if I really love an app and I use it all the time and it's free and there's an easy way to donate, then I will probably do so. I like to go with, uh, definitely along the lines of paying for apps that are, that are good and I enjoy. I've, there's a couple that are shareware that I've gone back and, uh, maybe once every year or two, I'll just go back and pay them again, even though I know I already have. And, and that feels kind of good to do that to say and leave my note going, yeah, I paid you last year, but it's still really good <laughs> and I'm still using it. So here it is again. And, you know, it's funny. We, we sometimes look at that and go like, well, $15. But, you know, if a friend of yours said, hey, can you give me 15 bucks? I'm not handing it back. Like, yeah, okay. You know? <laughs> so if you're getting value out of it, why not? Um, I'm a, uh, I definitely contribute to Patreon. I like Patreon. I'm uh, not adding anybody, though. So I'm wondering, I'm a little worried that Patreon may run a course where you get fatigue of these monthly payments uh, because we're getting so many monthly payments on so many things. But there's a couple of shows that, you know, I just listen to them all the time and I make sure that I'm paying for those because I don't actually watch a lot of tv so usually it's uh it's a lot of the video podcasts that i that i watch that i donate to so yeah i I like to pay for stuff um i like my favorite is an app that is paid for in the mac app store but has a free download so you can try it out so i download it for free check it out okay that's what i want to do and then i want to go pay for it that's Mm -hmm. to me the perfect scenario for apps yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh, having a free app, in terms of the app stuff, I, I was doing this this weekend. I was looking at, we're, tr- we're talking about redoing um, some stuff in our backyard, and I wanted to find an app that uh, that would let me visualize some of that without you know going to the old uh, pencil and graph paper. And uh, there were a bunch that were free with an app purchase, and I thought, well, well, that's great because I can try it out, and if I like it, I'll I'll pay for it. And if I don't like it, then I'll just delete it, and I'll, I'll move on. For some stuff, like podcasts, I mean, it's a good example of, of things that it's very hard to charge for them in any substantial way so you end up uh kind of asking for giving things away and then asking for money uh for uh, websites too can be problematic that way so it's it's a challenge i do pay for some uh for some stuff that i love even though it's free because it makes me feel good to compensate the the people who make that stuff um and uh but i do i i worry i worry as somebody who is asking people to pay me and i worry as somebody who pays that ultimately everything that everything we read 
read, everything we listen to is going to have a, a request or a demand for 5 or $10 a month put on it. And at some point, people are going to just stop. And maybe that's the natural order of things is that is that uh, beyond a certain point, you know, if you're not in the top five priority of a person, you're not going to get any money from them. And that's OK. Maybe that's just how it's going to be. But it may be a difficult shaking out process when that happens. It'll be interesting to see. But I, I, I think this is this is the downfall of. So much of what we what we see with the internet, where everything is expected to be free, and you want the scale of making it available for free, this is the flip side of that, which is then everybody is passing the hat. So uh, it's just the world we live in, I think. All right, thanks everybody. That was a great topic, Micah. What's your topic? Mophie recently announced a a new wireless charging case. Uh, they call it wireless. So you basically connect it. It's, it's like any wireless charging case where you connect it to your phone. It's got a little uh, induction plate, and then there's a charging uh, device that you then put the phone onto, at which point it makes the connection and it charges, just kind of like the Apple Watch. But I've got a problem. Uh, I've got a bone to pick with all of these uh, wireless charging companies. When I think of wireless, I think of the fact that I can uh, take my phone uh, into any room in the house, I can go uh, out into the world, and I can get access to the internet. That's wireless to me. The ability to move freely about the country uh, <laughs> while maintaining a connection. With a wireless charging plate, it almost takes it one step further, farther into like not being wireless because, okay, you have a Thunderbolt uh, or not a Thunderbolt, but a lightning cord connected to your phone and you can still do things on it because the lightning uh, cord has slack. But whenever you, you take your device and you put it on that plate, it's stuck there if you want it to charge. So I'm curious, you know, how do you feel about uh, these wireless charging options and then like what does wireless actually mean to to all of you dan yeah I, you know it's funny i was talking about this not too long ago and and you know theorizing that apple might roll in some sort of you know feature along these lines uh, in a subsequent iphone update and i remember having a very early i had the first version of the palm pre which i reviewed and that came with an optional uh, magnetic stand with wireless charging a la kind of the apple watch uh, and it was cool, but I agree with you to completely that it, it, it's it's in some ways less useful. Uh, the only real benefit is that you don't have to like find the port and like line it up and plug it in, which is pretty meager as benefits go. A lot of times they also charge less uh, quickly than a wire. I think Jason found that when he tested the Logitech base that charges the uh, iPad Pro using the smart connector. Um, that's ostensibly wireless also but it doesn't really make it doesn't really have a huge uh, improvement to it so i love the idea of wireless charging when you're walking around and your phone is charging in your pocket i think that's probably still a ways off there have been some sort of low level tests of this kind of technology um, even just having something on my desk and letting it charge while it's like close to my Mac or something like that would be nice. But I'm very sort of suspect about how uh, soon this is this this science fictional part of this will come to pass. So I, I love the idea of much more robust wireless charging. I agree with you that the you know, magnetic induction feels kind of like a cop out, but I'm sure that's a lot easier and tried and true at this point. So we're probably going to see a lot more of that before we see true wireless charging. 
I think that the the reason they're calling it wireless or why people are wild about it is if you think about your Apple Watch, it's easier to set it on the little thing than it is to take two hands and try to shove that little cable in. But to answer Mika's actual question of of what do I think of when I think wireless, I think bag of hurt, living hell. Um, <laughs> Just as soon as I hear wireless, I get this kind of shudder and I think about my Internet of Things devices and, you know, the seven hours I spend on each one each time something goes wrong, trying to get it back on my network before I remember that, oh, it only works on 2.4 gigahertz. And if you have your networks combined, you don't have a separate name. So you have to separate the networks, which wrecks every device in your house. And then you put that back on. So when I hear wireless, I don't I don't get a warm, happy, ooh, yay, wireless (laughs) feeling. I get an icky. I just really don't want to do that anymore feeling. Yeah, it's uh, uh, the dream is real and the reality is not dreamy. A dream? <laughs> uh, it's 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 just you know more more junk you gotta buy and uh, station in various places. Like the Mophie webpage is like, and you can buy these little pads and put them everywhere. It's like great, I get to buy th- those are free, right? No, oh no, they're very expensive. And they'll look great too all around um, your house. Yeah, little blobs that are only work with the one thing. Right, uh, and, and so having a standard would be nice. Having this be something that I mean, the ultimate dream is that it just is is throughout your house, and you, you know if you're if you're within six feet of something the power is translated and there there are companies that are trying to make that stuff um and then there are people who used to work from those companies who say it's all fraud and it'll never work so who knows what is going to happen i don't know i mean i i can can i envision apple making a wireless uh charging product that forces everybody who wants this fancy feature to buy a whole bunch of little pads to set everywhere in their home and cars and whatever sure i mean apple would do that apple would totally do that but i, I don't know I'm, I'm skeptical about it i have a, you know the apple watch it has a has a uh, an induction based charging thing and you know i don't have to plug in a cable but i still have to put the watch right on the charger in order to work i'm not sure it's really saved me a lot so i don't know i'm skeptical about it uh it it uh it's going to be impractical it's already impractical it'll continue to be impractical for a while and then maybe at some point down the line there will be enough commonality in this stuff to make it much more uh much more practical but until yeah until there's a reasonable um, amount of uh, a chance that if I walk into my local Starbucks uh, and sit down at a table, that I can charge my phone by laying it on the on the table or a pad that's on the table. Until there's a reasonable chance of that happening, I think it's not uh, not not much of a thing. Yep, I agree. I just I, I know that that's a, a future that's far off where I'm just walking around my house and my phone is charging. But in the meantime, yes, it is easier to to. Uh, just slap your phone down and then suddenly it's charging, but only in that little place. And yeah, I don't want a bunch of blobs around my house that cost $40 a piece. And like, I'm, a, I'm already spending all that extra money on getting lights that connect to the internet and I can turn the colors of them. So I don't know. I, it just, it bothers me in the same way that hoverboards bother me because hoverboards aren't actually <laughs> hovering and this is not actually wireless, doggone it. So yes. Are you literal by any chance? Uh, I might be a little bit literal. <laughs> well, thank you for that, Michael. We've got just enough time for a bonus topic, which uh so it's June first as we record this. To me that means summer for real. And to me, summer for real means ice cream. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Allison? Well, I'm a big fan of Dreyer's French Silk Ice Cream. It has little chocolate swirls and dark chocolate chips in it, little flat ones. It's yummy. 
uh, mint chip, Dan. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to turn down a good vanilla, but but uh, the mint mint chip is the one that I love. Ah, mint chip is so good. You all are making me upset because I think I have more than one favorite flavor of ice cream. But when it comes down to it, and this might be cheating, but oh well, chocolate custard <laughs> is my favorite. Ooh. Just so good. Mm. I just had a chocolate custard the other day. But uh, yes, chocolate is my favorite flavor, preferably with chocolate sprinkles. That's just the way I, I roll. Uh, I'm Now I'm going to go have some ice cream because that sounds <laughs> <Yeah>. delicious. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much to our wonderful guests, Allison Sheridan. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. What a blast. Micah Sargent, thanks. Time for ice Time cream. Time for ice cream. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Dan, yeah, enjoy some ice cream for me. I have no ice cream in the house, but it's mm-hmm. early yet here in the West Coast. There's so still time. I'll, there's plenty of time. Plenty of time. Uh, and thanks to everybody out there for listening. We'll be back next week with four more topics and two more guests. But until then, we remind you, as always, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.